0: Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. My name's Andy Littleton from Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona, and I'm sitting with my buddy Eric Seepin from the Village
1: Church also in Tucson, I like that. Arizona. Do you call everybody your buddy? So I'm like your buddy. You're one of my buddies. That's cool. My
0: dog. (laughs) I call my
1: buddy. You call your dog. I I had a weird suspicion that I was not that highly ranked. (laughs) I'm ranked with the dog. I really
0: like the dog. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. it's very special
1: to me. Um, I don't think uh, so from the last time I talked to you about your dog. There's two dogs. Oh, there's two dogs. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh so we're uh we talk a little about silence yeah. uh today and then we get into engaging with culture and uh, I think it was a good discussion. I think you'll enjoy it. So thanks for joining yeah. us. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Eric, and I'm sitting across from Andy in the Village Sanctuary, and Andy is pastor of Mission Church, and he just canceled the trip to Phoenix, so congratulations. Thanks.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I had a lot going on this week. I'm supposed to go to Phoenix for a meeting, and I realized, you know, they're going to make great decisions without me up there. I don't have to go. And, uh, and I can then stay here and do other things that need to be done.
1: And this was a decision for uh, this is for your other job? No. Or for a church job? Church. Church. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like Mission Church or? Uh, the,
0: the Worldwide Catholic Church.
1: The Worldwide Catholic Church.
0: I was, yeah, making, oh man, the decisions I would have made. Yes. If I'd been there.
1: Yeah. You were going to stand up to the Pope and everything. No. Uh.
0: No. <laughs> nothing with the Pope.
1: Pope's a nice guy. Yeah. Never met him, but he seems nice.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> it's good to see you. I'm glad, that, I'm glad I'm not doing the podcast all by myself today. Yeah, same here. I, I mean, on the video, I was giving instructions on how to cook my favorite cookies, and I don't even know if it managed to get on to this. this
0: yeah. Thing, so, so um, you know, just by way of brief introduction... Um, yeah, we got a great comment to the, we did. To it was live awesome. video. That
1: was hilarious. I really loved it.
0: And the 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 best thing I think is that I agreed with him. I know. <laughs> what, what do we what do we do with it? So he basically was like, "This is annoying. This video is annoying." One guy eating, one guy <laughs> wrapping cords, and I was like, "Yeah, actually, it is. It is annoying." Wait, did so? Not? Why
1: are we doing that? So we went and looked. It was a guy from NASA.
0: Yeah, yeah. People were. Infuriating people from NASA.
1: But we had almost a thousand views on that video. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That, no, 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 no. Are almost you s- 800 or what? so odd video, views of that video. So we annoyed 800 people? Well, it's a preview. Maybe, you know, it will, it'll increase our listenership. Is that how that works? Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, I don't know anything about <laughs> technology, but um, <laughs> the, the preview videos I'm used to seeing are, are much more
1: professional professional oh this is just live streaming of us on the on our website and people
0: uh, i don't understand can we talk about how degenerate our world is if they like (laughs) that video
1: well they did not like it they just viewed it
0: if they've bothered to view that video how (laughs) problematic okay so just to
1: go (laughs) i I was trying to use my mevo camera so we put the camera in my Bedroom and my wife and I, we were live broadcasting. It was her t- and us talking about the menu for the week, Crazy. and the thing got a ton of views. <laughs> why? <laughs> because people think mundane, weird things like that are interesting. Do they? I think so. I do. That guy was annoyed, but then I. But I thought, he put a post. So. That,
0: right. I know. I'm like, but you watched it. Like, why did you <laughs> even bother? Like, I don't. I don't, know. I don't know. The fact that you care that you watched it and cared enough to be annoyed about it is shocking to me.
1: Well, you know who mostly watches YouTube videos? No. Men between the ages of like 23 and 40. Why? well, that's a good question. Cuz women, I mean, yes, there are like women who watch, but the demographics for YouTube is skewed for men. Yeah, I mean Cuz women I think have better things to do. With their time apparently yeah and there's all
0: these weird pop-up videos from in i'm sure as well yeah um and so then when you and i pop up and you know and i'm just slobbering down a ham egg and cheese i watched it
1: twice so i was at least two of the views on that yeah
0: (laughs) i watched a little of it more to just be like how ridiculous did i look (laughs) slopping down my juicy
1: burrito here's the good thing you weren't on this last one so it's just me.
0: That is wonderful. Anyway, <laughs> so moving on. You
1: wanted to talk about silence, and I was wondering what encouraged such a... Well, because
0: there was this event, a day of silence for pastors, that you said you were going to go
1: to. Yeah. It was yesterday. I totally bombed it. That was not yesterday, because yesterday was Monday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Oh, was it on Monday?
0: I mean, I was there. It was yesterday. Oh, I thought it was on
1: Saturday. Oh.
0: Yeah. yeah it was yesterday.
1: Yeah, I had a really good day yesterday. It was good. awesome. It was my day off. Good. But anyway, yeah. sorry yeah. I didn't well, go. How was
0: it? I, I mean, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't have talked to you.
1: I know. That's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I didn't go. You wouldn't that's why. you are going to be silent. Uh, well, explain to me like, what you learned and what, what the experience was like. I
0: didn't learn anything. Really? Yeah. it was just being silent.
1: People didn't say anything or lead you in anything? There was some of that. I could have. Yeah. So, um
0: yeah, I, it's it's interesting because I think everybody had different reactions. So so this is a group of pastors. How many went? Oh, uh, see, I don't do numbers. I didn't count them.
1: Well, I just like to feel like there are five of you, or is there a maybe fifteen. Okay, just yeah, maybe just 15. for the feel of things, ten to 15. 10 to fifteen people.
0: Yeah, I'll uh, see. I, I yeah, I should I should have a better <laughs> grasp how many people are at our church between fifty and one hundred and fifty, somewhere in there, or ten to fifteen. I don't know. I don't count things, but, um, the, yeah, I mean, there were different, like, contemplations that were kind of historic types that were offered that you could do, and then times of silence, and then times of prayer, but you didn't talk about what you were going to pray about, you just prayed. So you did speak? Uh, a couple times. Okay. And then broke silence for dinner, and then, uh, went back into silence, but I actually had to leave. So I I didn't stay for the last portion of silence. Um, And yeah, and some people were, you know, were saying it was very difficult for them. There was some comment about, you know, all the extroverts are going to like explode after this. But, you know, something about my story and, I don't know, probably like having a very quiet father and I'm fine with it. Like it doesn't. Sure. And I also don't just didn't feel the need to explode of with words. I, I'm I can talk I can hold my own in a yeah, conversation. In a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so but but it doesn't bother me to not do that.
1: Do you feel like uh Jesus spoke to you in the silence?
0: Um Uh you know I did there wasn't anything that where I was like whoa I heard a thing, a specific thing. Um I mean I think I feel like when I, so when I went and did my Oregon trip, which was a couple of weeks alone, sure. it, it felt like I needed almost an off ramp into kind of time alone, solitude. Like I, it, it didn't ju- I couldn't just flip a switch. And, and so I felt like the first part of the day was, I kept like, my mind was wondering, uh, more. I mean, it, my mind always wonders, but it wondered more. And, uh, so I was just kind of found myself just offering to God all the different things that were coming into my mind. And then the the last part of the day, there was a uh, one of the exercises was to read about Jesus and the disciples on the road to Emmaus mm-hmm. and to uh, imagine yourself in that story and to kind of focus in on a couple of words and so there was a walk you could do, and I figured it was they walked seven miles. And I thought I think if I do this walk three times, that'll be about seven miles. So I did that, and the and the words from the story that I where it was.
1: You walked seven miles. I
0: think so. I I and I'd walked the circle three other times during the day. So, I, yeah, I
1: I do That's a lot. I of didn't walk.
0: clock it. That's a lot of walking. Yeah, and I might be totally wrong on the the distance because I'm bad with numbers. Uh, I don't don't even
1: know how many people were there, but um, I mean, I like to walk. You know, I mean, unless you were walk running, you're talking about twenty minute miles, so twenty times seven, it's about two hours.
0: Um. Yeah, maybe. I mean, over. uh, Yeah. I mean,
1: I probably that's a lot of steps. You said you're. you're, you're I don't know if I walked two hours
0: in that exact moment or you know, you know how you know me i like details you are it's painful um, I, I thought i didn't like details. you love but details. i love details yeah i just
1: don't like details of details uh
0: so do you want to know about what i was doing during the do you want you all you want to know about is that it was a 20 minute mile you don't want to know any anymore
1: well no i want to <laughs> know what you, you yeah well i want to know if you, i don't want to your feet hurt while detail. you were walking but slightly yeah. a little bit <laughs> Well, I was that. curious, even going back further, was you You said you were emptying your mind out, or not empty, but you were kind of giving God the different wanderings that uh-huh. you were having in your mind. Did you feel like God took them from you and began to clear things out?
0: Uh, yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think so, because there was a certain calming of heart that occurred during that. And then... Um, and, and during that walk, like the, the words from the road to Emmaus were, we had hoped he was to be the Savior of Israel. And I, I was kind of going, okay, if I were, what what did I hope Jesus was going to be the Savior of? Hmm. In to which I'm a little disappointed. So that's kind of what I...
1: Well, that seems like a big thing. Yeah. So I, I
0: mold that over for three rounds of however long whatever distance whatever
1: distance that was yeah huh so god did speak something profound to you
0: yeah I, yeah i mean it it was uh i guess what i'm saying is i i definitely feel like i was engaging with god it just wasn't you know it wasn't like there was this clarity of an exact thought hmm. but i think that it was uh I mean, that that was a that was the thing i I needed to think about,
1: yeah, did I you was, come up with any kind of thoughts about things that you were thinking I wish you were the savior of this and he's not, or
0: yeah, or I wished you were gonna save in this way right it, and it and I think like those disciples who they thought he was going to be the savior of Israel, and he was. It just wasn't in the way, right? That they that they, they wished they wished, right? And that was sort of what I kept coming to was, you know, I'd I'd hoped for, because I, I have this, like, kind of my big moment of coming to faith had to do with the time where I was very depressed because um, a girl that I liked just wouldn't like me. It seemed, and uh, and I was. I was very down um, to the point of wanting to die. And I had been in church my whole life, and I was at this big church conference that I didn't really connect with, And, uh, and I'm just dealing with all that. And then a guy gets up and just shares the very simple story of his life and the very simple gospel that I'd heard a thousand times. And I realized maybe that's what I need, even though I'd, I'd heard it so many times. And so I, I reflected back on that, and I thought, you know, I, but I still thought that somehow through that, like the, the companionship desires and the deep be known desires that I had, you know, I kind of hoped that would come through you know this this freedom this change and and um and in many ways you know I still feel misunderstood and not known and, you know a- as I did back then but then uh, I was just milling that over and I was like I kind of hoped that would be a byproduct of this that I would uh come to come to faith and then some of these details would iron out right And, you know, just kind of milling that over and going, "Ah, but I still feel some of those things. And and then, but then going, you know, sensing, thinking, working through, like, you know, Jesus really, you know, hasn't let me down in these areas. I was just hoping for people to come through hoping that Eric wouldn't get so hung up on how long How many the miles walk you was. walked, yeah.
1: No, <laughs> no I, but,
0: but you know, stuff and, and that was, well, see, that uh, was the helpful.
1: Uh, yeah, the the idolatry that we well, yeah. place on people and yeah. on the expectation for them to fill things.
0: And I you know, and I like to think that I don't have those expectations for people and I kind of don't tend to express that I do. But I do. you know yeah it you know everything in me would really like for you know to have those deep and meaningful relationships where people understood me or cared to or um you know or saw deeper into my soul Mm -hmm. than i even i can or whatever um Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah i mean i think uh, i've been walking with god being with god for so long um, and I have to laugh that, uh, and I, I feel like man I'm saying the same things over and over to people about the things that they believe about God that aren't true and things that they believe about themselves and others that aren't true and then I realized I, I spend most of my time like reacting to people because I believe a lot of things that aren't true about God, have a lot of expectations on people to come through and to make oh, yeah. things work for me and it's crazy it's it, it's so easy to slip in and out of those. It seems like silence disrupt, helps disrupt a little bit of that.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, I was great. I was looking forward to the day. I almost didn't do it. Um, there was, like, it was kind of a crazy weekend last week, and, you know, that took a toll on my wife and I, and there was a big part of me that was like, I shouldn't go. And I asked her, and she thought it would be still be good, but I was like, are you sure about that? Is that... And, uh, but I'm, 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 glad I did it. Need more of that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just, uh, it's good to have some time away. Even if it's not a completely silent retreat, it's retreating yeah. is it's still a retreat. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's that great scene with Jesus when people are chasing him around and he can tell his disciples are tired and so they get on the boat so they can go off and rest. Right. Of course maybe the boat ride was the rest because they get tracked down pretty quick you're right but that's important yeah i think it's really important i think silence is a big part of that
0: yeah i think so too so yeah i put silence out there because of that experience yesterday yeah. but also uh we had a church movie night and watched the movie silence that's a whole um, another type so silence has been a theme <laughs> the last yeah week for me.
1: That's funny because I think Archer just going to have a movie and it's going to be uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy. <laughs> oh, really? I haven't watched that for a long time. It's a great movie. So That'll be way, not, way more fun. Our not movie the nights, silence one. <laughs> Our
0: movie nights are like dark and yeah. I mean, we've had one, but the all the movies that we're talking about are like harder oh. explorations of faith. Yes. You know, maybe we need to just have a laugh out loud well, Movie night.
1: we used to have what we call the social justice movie night uh-huh. um, and so you know we kicked that off with hotel rwanda and oh, then yeah. we just started going downhill after yeah. that like it was
0: downhill as in. and
1: they got worse and worse and more depressing and and what got wrenching and uh we watched about six or seven before people were you know like we were just done Well, uh, you just get so overwhelmed by the world's brokenness and the world's, like, you just, you can't do it. You feel very powerless watching those things Mm -hmm. and beginning to try to understand how you can have an impact on any of them. Right. Uh, It's it's overwhelming, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good reminder. I just don't know if it's a good reminder once a month for six six months. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we should probably think about that. But
1: it was helpful. I mean, I, I think it kind of reoriented me. But Yeah, movie nights. Yeah. They're they're cool. Um
0: Yeah, it was it was actually uh it was great. We uh watched the movie and had a fire pit afterward. Okay. And talked and Everybody got my version of hospitality, which included hot dogs. Okay. And uh, laying bags
1: of candy on the floor. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I want to go back to something that's like, because, you know, I like details. Uh Uh-huh. So you made a joke about your church, and you're like, oh, it's from 50 to 150 people. Uh Uh-huh. But I know that you guys cook. We do. So how many people do you guys cook? Like when somebody cooks... What do you say? You say, "Hey, cook for this many people." How do I, you guys work that? Yeah, I don't know. Do you, have you ever cooked for your church? Once, really, and that was a long time ago. No, not oh, that recently. Long ago. How many people did you cook for? You uh, just, you I just, don't remember. <laughs> that's a lot. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is awesome.
0: Uh, my wife probably thought about. It. I I am all for entrusting those details to others. I I really.
1: That's hilarious.
0: That is not, it's, I don't know. It's not that I don't care. I have never been a take attendance person. Um, oh, me I mean, neither. I would guess that we're cooking for like 100 maybe or 80, maybe. I oh, think. this is interesting. Because not everybody stays for the meal. Okay. Um. But yeah, I, my goodness, I love other people taking that. Like people who are good at details. Trusting them with that is the best because i I just am not yeah i'm I'm very bad with with these things, like I don't get my oil changed every three thousand miles i uh
1: i mean either i'm yeah it's just interesting like in our church when it comes to that, like everybody stays for dinner, and, and a so lot of ours people stay you have to make there. sure that people all people ha- can right. eat, and we have so many people cooking yeah but so we had to come up with a system, yeah um, and so we all had to sit down and figure out what the system was gonna look like, and we have some kind of system, and so that was how i i mean i now you you like to be
0: or do you prefer to be involved in all of those creating of systems or or are you ever just like, Hey, you go create a system, I trust you,
1: um well, I would say that the majority of my church is not a systems church. I am probably the most systems-oriented person. Um, okay, And once I've had... I now have an administrator. Um, I had one administrator named Danielle who was super system-oriented, and she took a lot of things over and created a lot more systems to help relieve me of things. Um, and now I have another administrator um, and she, uh, she's focused a little bit differently, but part of it is, even though our church is only a hundred and, you know, I don't know, 50 people with kids and everything, we run a church like it's 300, 400 people, um, in the ways that we organize and our volunteer systems and all those kinds of things. I, I mean, I would say we have, you know, 90 to, well, I guess we did count recently because we do very interesting elder kind of overseeing things. So we have about 100 people, adults, and I'd say 80 of them to maybe 90 volunteer significantly in our community. So,
0: And and I would, uh, we're similar in that and we have this church software that we use, and it's funny because they keep charging us more because they think we're big because of all of the people involved. And it's like, I've wanted to call them and say, hey, like, is there any way that we can have this many people involved and not like we're we're this, you know, we're like our average attendance is around 100. Like that would be, you know, you'd think we'd have three staff members (laughs) or something. But we're including all of our like basically all of our people because we just want a good way to get a hold of everybody and follow up and not drop the ball. So we always have to remove people from the system and then put them back in, which is which is lame. Yeah. Just because, uh, yeah, because most of our people are you know volunteer in some way.
1: Yeah, and and it's, we have not gone to a system like that because none of them really work for what way we do stuff. Yeah. So we've had to kind of build out our own systems. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that that could be done. I mean, this this one actually works. Other than that, that's nice. One.
1: Yeah, I mean, track. I guess I mean we we obviously we use um, constant contact for our general yeah. email. We use Mailchimp. You use Mailchimp. Yeah. yeah. You
0: MailChimp. know why I use Mailchimp? Why? Because the logo's cool. It,
1: it that's is. That's why cool. I picked it. Yeah. Well, it is kind of the millennial. Constant, constant contact. contact is more for the like businessy. It just sounds like, boring. But your chimp has this you're in constant monkey. contact.
0: I don't want to be in constant contact. I do.
1: I want to be constant in my contact.
0: Do you? <laughs> it makes me think of the T constant comment. Yeah. And that just sounds like somebody's talking your ear off.
1: Yeah. Well, this maybe helps us make that interesting transition into what how we influence culture and how we create culture because what we're talking about is cultures you have a culture at your church, and you were talking about how you introduce some of your own identity into that—hot dogs and candy on the floor, like that. Yeah. The the Andy.
0: Is that yeah? That's how I engage with culture.
1: That's engage with culture. Well, and you're showing a movie. You're having a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You're talking about culture. You're talking about the stories in culture. Like, and stories are what make up culture, right? right. Like your church has a story. Our city has a story. Our country has a story. Yeah. People have stories that they. You know, uh, that's a big part of culture. Yeah, and culture forming.
0: Yeah, kinds of things. Yeah. So, uh, Eric, your uh, idea was how we engage with culture. For it lives. was my yeah. idea. Yeah. So, so that's hence why we're we're transitioning here. Um. Yeah. I mean, so what were you thinking?
1: Well, I was thinking about. I mean, we're in the series in our church on our values because kind of you know we want to you do s- like once a year uh yeah um some years we do just one sermon that covers all six values but yeah. uh this year we thought we we have more new people and we don't do a new person class um so i mean I, I went back and counted i spoke on community this last weekend there are 23 sermons on community just community itself wow. over the last 17 years wow But I figured when I was looking at more of the subject matter, I think we probably have 100, 150 sermons that deal with something about living in community. The
0: fact that you're looking back at that and counting is crazy. Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting to me how things are shaped and the way we influence them. And and so I've been thinking, speaking on these values, I was speaking of authenticity this week and... I was thinking about, you know, just sort of the things that are happening in our culture, like these two major stories of violence yeah. that happens like, you know, at the synagogue or in schools yeah. um, and our churches. And then the, the the presidential kind of however you feel about Trump, the story that's coming from the White House is very loud right now yeah. and and has been since he's become a president. So there are these, these big, defining stories where we're either against Trump or we're for Trump, or, and we don't know what to do about the violence, and we're either against, we want gun control or we want more freedom for weapons. Like these are big stories, right. and I've been thinking about like, well, what does it look like to be the church? And in my sermon, I talked about like, well God's intent for the church is that we be the proclaimers of the manifold wisdom of God. Which has a lot to do with us being living in freedom, and the, and in that context of that chapter, Ephesians three, you know, the Jew and Gentile um, becoming one, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, throw your phone. So I just been thinking about, well, what does it look like to authentically speak into violence, and what is it as a community? What do I have? What does our church have to say that that is speaking not just to the people, but is speaking the message of freedom and the message of grace in Christ to the larger community, but also to the spiritual powers of the world. Like, um, and what is God's wisdom? That part of the story, was it have to say? Mm. Like to transform culture. How do we speak to all this? Because it's troubling. I mean, shooting eight people in a synagogue is troubling. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's troubling the violence that we are. Seeing and hearing and experiencing.
0: Yeah, and um, so I, I'm curious, how how often do you directly engage with what's going on in the world and in the news in your your leading and speaking here at the Village?
1: Well, you know what's fascinating to me is this place right here has become a major place for me to to be able to talk about that talk stuff. about right. it because I don't necessarily feel. Like the, my like job. Every is,
0: church service needs to be.
1: I need to speak yeah, to it. Right. I can speak about it in the sense of the way it impacts us. Yeah, and I think that's part of engaging it is talking about what the true, you know, what what we as followers of Jesus are called to live out in the midst of mm. violence. You know, like where um, Bonhoeffer says that we're sheep amongst wolves. Like for this time, God Jesus is, said that too. Yes. But Bonhoeffer says, you know, he talks about that idea that, you know, we're we're called to be scattered at this yeah. moment, yeah, and the church is our place to make a group proclamation yeah. of God's grace.
0: Yeah. Um, no, that, that's interesting. I, I also I felt like this space and this podcast. Has been one where I can get into to more, even like inner working of the church kind of stuff and social right. um, issues. Just because it, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the, the if you're going to come and proclaim God's word over people that if you go too far into every, because, every, I mean, I, I don't know if it's just the amount of media we're consuming now, but it just seems like every week there's 10 big things. I and mean, th- this last week was was another level it, it sort of, if but there, I mean, sure. But it's, it's sad how like numb, I think we're becoming. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't mean like, I'm not, I mean, I mean, I am like, I hear like, Oh, there's a shooting and it, that used to just impact me so deeply. And now I'm just like another one, you know? And, and, um, and I, I feel terrible that I'm not as like distraught. But it's just like so common. It, it feels that there is either uh, violence or this group hates this group, and then every once in a while it breaks out. And it's hard. Um, so I mentioned briefly in the sermon the the shooting. We were so talking about motives of the heart, and so you know, I I, I mentioned it and in, in that context. Yeah, but um i mean i think the interesting thing and this is hard for our church but i think something i love about our church i want others to see i want the broader community to see is that we have at least now people on different sides of issues political spectrum political spectrum um with very different life experiences. I mean, we even had, I was talking to one of our leaders and, you know, one sermon didn't land with him, but then it landed with other people. And you realize even just the way that we engage spiritually, like we're not all, all, you know, we don't all like to be, um, corrected, um, but then we don't all like to be talked gently to like there's people within our church who like different types of engagement mm-hmm. and i love that that for now i feel that we've brought those people together around something more profound than themselves and that there's a unity that doesn't make sense in a way that i think that the world um is hoping to figure out, I mean, mm. you hear people talking about trying to do things across the aisle and well, how, how do you do that when, um, when this person really is fighting for something that you're not fighting for and you don't have a common, um, morality, uh, or a common vision of the world or, right. And I think that the things that Christianity has brought to our community allow people with very different, visions of the world to lay those visions down as secondary and i i guess i see that as a way of engaging the culture what i i guess i wonder though is um does anybody notice right i mean unfortunately i feel like the faith communities that are in the spotlight a lot are, are ones that are doing either big things or very drastic thing or not drastic like if a group is like just engaged on the hot button issue, you know, yeah. they would get in the news or whatever. Yeah. So I, I just wonder if any, if anybody sees the beauty of what happens within right. a lot of churches.
1: Yeah. And I think, I feel like we may not know how to speak in the public space and, right. and it probably is sort of a, a bus learning to be more subversive and in, operating not in the spotlight as bringing the gospel about because i was talking to a young woman at our church recently and she had moved down from san diego and she said like you i mean everybody knows that you do not say you're a christian at work like that is not like because you will be badgered and judged and she said you can't be a church there and be taken seriously unless you have a huge social justice arm right um and then so there in that culture there's this like it's got a very anti-christian twist to it because what's been told and what they see is this very judgmental yeah you know trying to change policy in order to to actually crush the things that you don't believe are good and, and i mean that and and that was our people um that you're trying to say can't, you know, be married, can't have a right. free choice, can't, you know. And, and it also seems that while they're saying all those things, usually Christians are also the people who are supporting people who are getting rich and, you know, and right. not taking care of the poor. So that's sort of that narrative that we're kind of stuck with. Right. Not the narrative of, you know, people who are fighting desperately to save lives, through pro-life kind of movements to people who are, you know, on the other side, but Christians who are like, okay, well, we're not going to support pro- pro-life, but we're people who are fighting hard in, to help people in poverty, to give children a chance to, who who wouldn't have a chance. Like, and how these two people, these people, come together and understand economics and understand, you know, it's it's a it's a miracle that they can sit together and talk it is. and listen. And that's a big part of culture forming is listening. Yeah. Like we, our culture does not listen to one another. Yeah, Like it's ridiculous. It's just talking but no listening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I've observed that. I've struggled with that.
1: You struggle listening? Or you, <laughs> you struggle out?
0: To... Oh, I, I struggle with everything.
1: Right. But well, we wouldn't want to probe that too deeply, right?
0: Well, no, you do want to probe that deeply, but you've got a lot of text coming in, so I have. you've got other things going on. I do too. That's just why I threw my phone about ten feet away, which is a great feeling. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and so, so somebody was brought this up at the movie night that you know we we don't engage with the broader culture. And the interesting thing is, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I was like, well, in my mind, I'm going. Maybe we do, you know. I mean, I, I think. Well,
1: what like, would it look like to engage with the broader community? What do you think they meant?
0: Well, I think I suppose I, you know. I suppose what they were getting at from the rest that was said is that we're just kind of sheltered in our Christian communities, and I, I have a feeling that has to do with the experiences of that person in growing up. And, um, you know, I, I actually, my parents always worked alongside people who weren't believers my mom actually did speak openly about her faith in the high school where she worked and was respected um even when disagreed with i mean i i feel like in my own world like i have circles of uh, all kinds of non-believers and i don't even that word sounds weird because they believe in things i have circles of people who aren't christians and yeah and uh and I, I really enjoy those people and like them. And I don't. I also don't hide the fact that I'm involved in ministry, which I think is an interesting, um, you know, paradigm for for me and for them to engage with. Is like, okay, we're we're in this business setting, but I right. also, uh,
1: but, um, well, and historically, I I don't think until 300 years after Jesus is dead. The church didn't engage in culture; it tried to survive culture. All oh, right, right. I mean, Tertullian says, "Like, well, anytime the Nile floods, <laughs> yeah. it's Christians to the to the you know to the lions." Like, it's they, it was a persecuted people.
0: Yeah, and so they they didn't they never saw Constantine coming, right? They no. didn't they didn't see themselves their faith ruling anything. Um, they did. I mean, shape culture because they people did. were changed. Yes,
1: and the Romans were very confused as to what yeah. to do with them. Yeah, and they spent a lot of their time trying to save what we now call the Bible, right? Because it was getting burned all the right. time. You know, there's a lot.
0: Of <laughs> yeah, and then and then I, you know, that kind of stuff happened again in the in the Reformation. I mean, I don't. I I doubt that some of those early reformers had any idea that their brand of Protestantism would rule entire nations. They were just no. trying to bring about some reforms and trying to keep the Bible alive and individuals were changed and then all of a sudden Protestantism blew up and people sailed to a new world and and all forms of little Protestant churches popped up all the, over the place right. and we call them denominations now and and it was this dominant thing right. that
1: got corrupted. It did. Yep. But Western civilization is completely shaped oh gosh by the old and the new testament yeah
0: oh yeah because it was such and and i'm i know you're not saying like western civilization equals christianity but but because christian thought and those texts were so influential their fingerprints are all over the place
1: right well i mean and you think about all of the social movements from hospitals to you know equal rights to all those kinds of things it's uh it's the church. It's it's the yeah. that that is the ones who started all those things. Yeah. Like there was a, another one in our church who's going through the ASU program, you know, social work program. Uh-huh. She was saying that, and she's actually in her, uh, she may be in her late forties, early fifties. So this is kind of like her third career. Yeah. Uh, and she's just having fun doing it. And she said, this it's so anti-Christian. It's what she found fascinating was that a lot of like the problems that are discussed are because. Are, are all traced back to sort of this judeo-christian ethic. Right. But then on the flip side when they begin to talk about <laughs> social like
0: like who started
1: these movements and who's helping at the yes. moment. So when like they one example she says is when the refugees yeah. uh had no place to be in Texas cuz they were like their time was up, all the churches opened up yeah. and they and they kept them in in the state. Well, who who did it? It was the churches who did it Mm -hmm. because no government was going to do it. The government wasn't going to do those things. Human beings weren't, individuals weren't going to open up their homes and say, "Oh, why don't you have a refugee? I'll have a refugee come live with me." Um, No, it's Christians opening up their larger places and allowing people to stay there. So I, I think like we have something to say. We have been saying something, but usually what gets talked about is like the moral law. And it's not the new commandment that Jesus gave us to love one another so that people would know who he is,
0: yeah, and I think i don't know, I think we uh th- you know talking about details, maybe these are the details I'm interested in, not numbers Sorry. but um but the uh you know the moral law isn't just a, a thing to be you know clobbering folks with but it really is something to consider because it has all sorts of bearing on how to love one another of
1: of course thou shalt not murder is a great beginning to start with love (laughs) yeah
0: and to think of all the ways in which people um, people are you know things are stolen from them Mm -hmm. and how covetousness really is working itself out is it possible that some of the people upholding the quote unquote moral law in our world today are actually you know breaking that commandment sure Uh, you know and so i mean we've been spending this year in the, the first five books of the old testament and i think it illuminates the uh the new testament and how to love but but if you just use it as a thing of like who's in who's out who's right who's wrong um you're you're missing the point it condemns us all um and it and it points to our need for a savior right um I think we we don't read it closely enough.
1: I would agree. Yeah. I mean, you can forget all of the you know, laws within Leviticus and and you know, Deuteronomy and all that. If you just take the 10 commandments yeah. and you begin to process those as social justice and process those ways of loving, you would I mean, one you would be convicted by yep. your lack of capacity to do that. Yep. And then on the other hand, it's eye-opening if you actually go to the details of not just "thou shalt not uh, murder," but you begin to process what that looks like in society and how that works, and how you have to practice that. Oh yeah, or try on, you
0: know, try try on the uh, idea of doing to others as you would have them doing to you, which wasn't, by the way, um, Jesus didn't make that up. that That idea had been around far before him. Sure. he was he was one of uh, you can look in almost every religion and they have a version of that right. that goes back to before Jesus. So why did he bring it up? Well, because good luck with that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto do you. You know what I want done to me? I want other people to think of me and consider me deeply at all times. <laughs> right. So how am I doing with that? Toward Am I thinking deeply and considering every—you know, no. I, I can't even— i can't keep that for five seconds right um and so you're going to clobber somebody with that or are you going to be convicted right uh, and see how desperately needy we all are mm-hmm.
1: so. no well like you thought on that steal, the reality is that you and i steal yeah daily Oh yeah. If you begin to look at the complexity of society and the choices that we make on a day to day basis, we're taking things from people that yeah. we shouldn't be taking.
0: Every every form of unfair extraction from anybody falls under that. Yeah. That layer of, of stealing. Sure. Yeah. So if you're part of a systematic theft, even if you don't know and you just don't ask the question, right. you don't look into it.
1: Right. You're stealing. There is the sin of omission and the sin of commission. Yeah. Sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. And uh and and omission isn't just like there's an obvious good thing you look at and go, I should give that guy a dollar, but mm, I need my dollar. Yeah, that is a sin of omission. You didn't do the good thing. But also everything you don't investigate, mhm, everything you don't care deeply enough to really ask the question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean which goes back to what you're saying. Without Jesus, this is all impossible. All impossible. It really is. I mean, and I think that is, I mean, yes, that's the message of the church. It's been the message of the church for 2,000 years, but.
0: I don't think people are hearing it that way,
1: though. No, they aren't.
0: And that's that's the bummer, is that um, what people, the, the message that people are getting is that this is a community of people who are doing very well, who think they're morally superior. Um, and so what what do they have to, and it's just, a it's just annoying. Um, whereas if the church were, were saying like, actually like, there's no way any, any of us can live according to this law. That's what we've discovered. Yeah. We've discovered that the only way to move forward is, is with, you know, in profound, you know, waves of mercy. Right. Um, from God.
1: Well, and I, I feel like there are—I mean—there are two choices, or two issues that basically the church is said to to face, or to be judgmental on. One is that we are adamantly against gay marriage, mm. right, and we are against abortion. Right. These are these two issues. Two. Yeah. And we're a public institution in bed with a government because right. we get all these tax breaks sure which has become a subject over the last year or two oh, yeah. people have been really clamoring about sure i wonder if the the way that we begin the process of of saying yeah we have some moral things that we hold on to like we're against you know gay marriage or we one we have to step out of being in bed with the church or with the state sure I think church is going to have to stop getting its tax break.
0: Yeah, I, I I expect that to come, and though of course that would be a bummer, like it would uh, it would be a little harder. But I I agree that it would probably be a purifying. Um, it would have a purifying effect if the social benefit went away. I I think it would be good.
1: Yeah, I think I think it needs to go away because I think we need to, again, be an institution of Jesus mm-hmm. and not God. one of Jesus with some state benefits. Right, because that,
0: that really muddies the waters. And,
1: I, I mean, I've contemplated what that might look like for our church, and, and I haven't felt like God has called me personally yet to say, hey, this is an <coughs> issue that we as an elder board are need to begin to discuss. But I suspect it's something down the road. I that that, that we are going to have to talk about um, and think through, yeah, but yeah, I don't know it's uh I feel like these things are so heavy, mm-hmm. uh, that when we start talking about them,' just like without Jesus, this is really, really mm-hmm. depressing,, mm-hmm. and you know I talked in my sermon a little bit about evil. And about how you know the church's proclamation of god's wisdom is not necessary to man but to the prince and principality in the heavenly realm, yeah that we're making an announcement that the king is coming back here's a small taste of the kingdom. look, yeah. we're all at the foot of the cross together, yeah that's that's a powerful you know like we can actually love. We can practice the Ten Commandments as a response to God's love, and not as a as a club over us. And I think right. that's a really powerful yes. place to be. Yes. And I think it confuses darkness. And I can conf- it confuses the enemy, and it confounds him when we're able to do that together. Yeah. And I think that's. I agree. This has probably been a
0: solid podcast i think it's probably been a solid podcast i can
1: i can only see you in the andy like it's the end of the podcast eric (laughs) we're done eric thanks for tuning
0: in everybody we appreciate it and uh yeah keep uh the the thing that that helps us grow a little is if you share our posts and give us a rating yes so uh you know, every time you just say, Hey, I like that podcast and uh, throw it out on your yeah, Facebook just page. Let me quickly check
1: before we impact. end to see if anybody has emailed us at uh faithoverbreakfast at gmail dot com. Yep, that's where you'd email us any
0: any uh. questions or topic ideas or uh or if you just want to tell us how annoying we are, you can do that on Facebook in the comments obviously, as our buddy from NASA did.
1: Yes. Or uh You can come on you, on our video. Or you can
0: email us if you really care. And want to have a discussion with us about it. Um, nope, no new, no new people, no new emails. So with that, we say goodbye. Goodbye.